What's going on, Hawk Nation? Jake Ward back with you for year two of the HNU Hawkcast. And this year I'm going to have a new crew alongside me as I'm joined by former HNU baseball player Drew Gorder. Drew, say what's up to Hawk Nation. What's going on, Hawk Nation? Thanks for having me, Jake. Of course, glad to have you aboard this year as we get set to start another year of HNU Athletics. It is the 25th anniversary of the Hawks as the Hawks Varsity Sports started back in 1994 with basketball, both men's and women's, as well as volleyball. And so here in the 2019-2020 season, we are excited to get going. It's the start of a new year. We've already had some games underway. And now Drew is a former baseball player here for Holy Names. What's it like to really start a year? What, what kind of emotions do you feel as you get ready to play your first games? Well, you know, just coming back, everybody's so excited. Uh, the feeling's upbeat. You know, everyone wants to be the best of their abilities right out of the gate. Uh, you know, the atmosphere, everyone's in the weight room. You know, the, all the, always the first games are, you know, packed. Um, it's just really exciting to be back, um, especially for the fall sports right now. And being a spring sport, I know that they're working hard too, getting in the weight room, getting after in the classroom, as well as on their respected fields and courts and stuff like that. And like you said, everybody just eager to get out there and prove what they've been working so hard on all year long. And we have some results to talk to you guys about a little bit later. But we're going to talk a little bit more about the 25th anniversary. So as I mentioned, this is the 25th year of Hawks Athletics. And today is a special day as today is the 25th anniversary of the first ever Hawks Volleyball victory. And not just volleyball, it was the first victory for any Hawks athletic teams 25 years ago and now back then Holy Names University was actually Holy Names College and they took on Simpson and beat Simpson we don't actually have the scores for you you know scholars maintain that those stats were lost years ago as Ron Burgundy might say but we do know that HNC Holy Names College beat Simpson and Holy Names was coached by Don Taylor so Don big shout out to you wherever you may be right now as you brought home the first dub for the Hawks teams back then. But speaking of dubs, we'll get into some of the results right now. The first team to kick off the year was HNU Women's Soccer as they started off the 25th anniversary of HNU Athletics this past Thursday when they took on SMU out at Chabot College. And now it didn't end up in the result that the Hawks wanted. It came back a 1-1 draw as the two teams went all the way through overtime, no one able to get that extra golden goal in the OT segments, and it finishes a 1-1 draw. Now, Drew, you were up in the press box watching a lot of this game, but tell me what you saw from your vantage point up there. Uh, I thought H&U played really well. You know, they had a control for most of the game. Cassidy Ballard scored in the 19th minute, assisted by Kylie Tisdale. Um, you know, and they pretty much had control, like I said, the whole game. Uh, late goal by... Um, SMU in the 76th minute and then you know it was pretty much who's going to score next um, went in double overtime but definitely the Hawks had their chances uh, Kylie Tisdale shot a ball from pretty far out hit off the crossbar and then Abby Alexander tried to follow it up almost went in less than probably 30 seconds in the game um, that would have gave the Hawks the win but you know the goal, goalie made a nice play on that um, 
Yeah. And you mentioned it right at the end of regulation. There's not really walk-off wins in soccer, but that no, would have been not. as close <laughs> as you can get. As Drew mentioned, Kylie Tisdale put one off that top crossbar. The ricochet came right down out in front of the goalie's net, and the keeper able to get back to her feet right as Abby Alexander was following it up, and she laced a shot towards the left side of the net. And the goalkeeper at the time, that was Ali Campagnato. Sorry if I butchered that name there, Allie, but she'd made a great save on Abby as Abby could have nearly won that, as you mentioned, with under 30 seconds left. And as you mentioned, the Hawks did control a good portion of the game. They led the game in shots over St. Martin's. The total was 14-12. to You mentioned they had a lot of control in that first half. Shots were 8-4 in favor of the Hawks in the first half. They only got the one goal from, from Ballard and unfortunately were not able to keep their foot on the gas and thus it ended in the 1-1 draw. For the Hawks, Alyssa Lopez comes up with three saves, and Sierra Montez added in a save as well. Now, the Hawks played another game over the weekend as they took on Northwest Nazarene this past Saturday, and unfortunately, they did not get the result they were looking for as after the season-opening tie, they take their first L of the year as Northwest Nazarene scored once in each half to go on to the 2-0 victory, scoring the goals were Mackenzie Buell in the 39th minute and Brooke Felsen in the 86th. Yeah, a couple high points from the Hawks side. Cassidy Ballard had two shots, both on goal. And Abby Alexander had one shot on goal as well. Uh, Nia Summers had a couple saves, and Sierra Montez had three. But now for our first victory of the year, that will go to the women's volleyball team who also played on Saturday a little after women's soccer as they had a night contest at Tobin Gymnasium against UC Merced. And after dropping the first set 18-25, to they come out with the next three to take it 25-23, 25-16, and 25-21 in the four-set victory. Sierra Allen had 21 kills. That's a career high as she led the Hawks in the four-set victory. Now, Drew, you were there at scorer's table. I heard Tobin Gymnasium was rocking. Tell me a little bit about how the game went down. Yeah, um, that was the most packed I've ever seen a home opener for a volleyball game in my five years here now. Um, Previously going here for four years and then my first year on staff. Um, but basically, you know, I was at the table and there were some points where literally I looked up and both sides of the crowd were on their feet yelling. Um, it was just a really great atmosphere, a great way to start the year, especially with the win. Um, and then hopefully being able to back that up and come our next couple home games. And. Another big night for Brittany Carasillo as she ended up with a total of 40 assists. Now, she was the team's primary setter, so that's why that number might look a little higher than what Hawk fans are used to seeing running two setters in the past. But she comes away with 40, a career high in assists for Brittany. Yeah, and then also Maddie Stanley and Una Dang each had three block assists. Um, And then Maddie Stanley finished the game with 10 kills as well. Uh, four aces for Brittany, and then as a team, the Hawks had 14 total aces. And one other big point for the Hawks in this game is that they did not finish with a negative hitting percentage in any of the sets. Their highest attack percentage was 324 in the second set when they had 15 kills to only four errors on their 34 attacks. 
And so a good job by the Hawks there. They start the year 1-0. Now, another team that got a victory was the HNU men's soccer team. Unfortunately, it didn't come in their season opening contest as they played on Friday into overtime. And unfortunately, it was a 1-0 loss at the hands of Cal State and Monterey Bay for the Hawks. The winning goal came in the 97th minute as the golden goal came from Walmer Martinez for the Otters. Throughout the game, it looks like the first half is very even as far as shots. Uh, Holy Names and both Monterey both had five shots. Uh, second half, Monterey takes slight advantage. They had nine shots while Holy Names only had five. And then going into OT, Monterey had one more shot than the Hawks as well. And another big part in this game was the fact that Holy Names took just one corner kick to the seven for Cal State Monterey Bay as the Otters had a plus six advantage in the corner kicks, setting them up for a lot of opportunities in the box. And eventually they do get the overtime winner in period one. But the Hawks were able to turn the page quickly as they got back out on the pitch on Sunday. And here is where they get their first dub of the year. After going down 1-0 in the first half, the Hawks came out with the very first two goals of the second half to go up 2-1. And after a tying goal in the 75th minute from Humboldt State, the Hawks were able to put away the game with a penalty kick goal from Ramon Gutierrez in the 87th minute that gave them their first victory of the year, 3-2. to yeah, Important part in this game also, I think, is Brian Canchola having two assists, you know, uh, for Noel Rosales as well as Josiah Romero's goals in the 66th minute and the 68th minute. It was big indeed as Brian really setting up the play and able to get the Hawks on the board, get the momentum going, and get them into the win column. Holy Names did outshoot Humboldt State by 15 shots in the entire game. It was an 8-2 lead for the Hawks in the first half, and then they increased on it even more in the second half, going up 12-3 in the shot category there for a total of 20-5. They also did come back and took a lot more corner kicks in that game as well as they took 7 to the 3 for Humboldt State. So a big win there for men's soccer as they get into the win column and are now 1-1 one one on the season. We also had a little bit of cross-country action as the Hawks hosted the Holy Names Cross-Country Challenge this past Friday out at Hayward Regional Shoreline Park. And both Hawk teams, men's and women's, finished in third place. But one we want to highlight was a great finish by Jade Guerrero as she finished the women's 6K in a time of 25 minutes and 4 seconds. Now, she did not win the race individually. She came in second place, but it was a top 20 time in HNU history. So congrats to Jade on that time as she helped lead the team to a third place finish out of four teams in the Invitational on the women's side. The men came in third out of three. The top finisher for them, Cody Billings, as he came in eighth place with an 8K time of 30 minutes and 10 seconds. So now, Hog Nation, we've got you caught up on all the action that you've missed in the opening week of the 2019-2020 season. Now stick around as we come back after the break. We'll be meeting with a couple members of the HNU volleyball team. That is head coach Mike Gomez, as well as junior setter Brittany Carasillo. You won't want to miss these conversations. Come on back to the HNU Hotcast after this.
Dog Nation. We're back here on the HNU Hotcast, and we are here with HNU women's volleyball head coach Mike Gomez. Mike, thank you for joining us this week here with Drew and myself. So we want to get into a little bit of your background and how you got here because you've been here as a player. A lot of people know that. And you were also here as a graduate assistant. And now you're here as a coach. So take me through a little bit of the journey that you traveled to, to get to where you are now. Well, yeah, obviously I came here in 2010 uh, as a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed freshman. Um, actually, very, very funny to look back at it now. Uh, my roommate at the time uh, during our freshman year, Gabe Ching, turn around and flip the job here up in admissions. So we're still working together 10 years down the road. Uh, something super fun. But, you know, uh, I didn't get a chance to view the campus uh, before I came up here to make my decision for college. Uh, both Gabe and I kind of just flew up, uh, saw the campus, fell in love. And, you know, 10 years later, we're still part of this Holy Names family. And so, you know, that's uh, one of the major benefits of this place and, and one of the major draws uh, of this place. And so, you know, we really enjoy being here. Uh, you know, through our time competing as athletes, uh, we gained plenty of brothers along the way. Uh, we had some up seasons, we had some down seasons, uh, lots of different influence as far as coaches go, uh, mentors go. Um, ultimately, had a pretty had a pretty successful career here uh, as an athlete. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't quite get my fill of the Holy Names community, so I wanted to stick around for a couple more years. Uh, got into the master's program here uh, to get my degree in English. Um, and worked for you actually uh, for a couple of years there, which was a great time. Back in the day, oh, quite man. a ways ago. I'm, I miss you, buddy. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you know, just just gaining experience and, and staying within sports, and you know, all the all the while I was helping you, still volunteering with the women's volleyball team here uh, during the Beltrami era. Um, and you know, she was also another really, really great mentor for me. Kind of opened my eyes, my eyes up to some different sides of the game that you know I, I find myself looking at uh, on a more day to day basis now that uh, I flipped uh, being a GA into a head coach here. So um, you know, it's just it's been a great run. It's been a great experience, and hopefully, we can continue to build and you know, uh, moving forward. I just want to leave this place better than than I found it. Now, when you were playing here, did you ever have dreams of being a coach? Was that something you really had kind of thought about? Because I, I know there's a lot of people that say, man, I knew I wanted to be in the game. I, I know the game well. I, I, I can coach it. But then there's others that kind of eventually, I don't want to say luck their way into it, but they, they don't necessarily envision <laughs> themselves going that route. So is that something you knew you wanted to do? It's funny. I've been having some conversations with uh, some of my old teammates. Uh, actually just sat down with uh, one of my buddies, and he was the team captain here when I was a freshman, uh, Jamie Hannon. Uh, anyhow, we were having dinner uh, over the weekend and talking about who we used to be when we were athletes here. And, you know, he, he reminded myself that I wasn't always uh, as humble as I project myself to be now. Uh, but I, I, you know, when I was a freshman, I really thought when I got here, I was, I was, I was it, uh, you know. And some matches I, I was in for a rude awakening, but um, I do remember talking uh, to some of my friends like you know I, I really think I can do something really great here uh, whether that be as a player or moving forward you know uh, even back then we saw a lot of these uh, graduating seniors getting opportunities to be GAs and coaches and whatnot and you know uh, I, I really thought that I had had a lot to offer for the school in, in, in a lot of different capacities so you know maybe while I didn't uh, explicitly say like I'm gonna be the head coach here one day uh, it was it was definitely a thought that that you know was entertaining you know my my younger self 
And now you talked a, a little bit about not being quite as humble back in the day. Obviously, you learned learned a few lessons along the way, um, and, and not just from your playing days. You, you've touched on you know learning from from Coach Veltrami and also a former coach uh, was big in your past as well. So, what are some of the lessons that maybe you've learned from one each of your coaches and along your way here that you now apply as the head coach yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And something that you know I adopted uh, when I first took over this program last year, um, a phrase that really stuck out to me from my coach Dwight Combs uh, was do the right thing and not the easy thing and so you know I, I find with our athletes here today that you know your life uh, whether that's within sports or academics uh, socially professionally it, it's all a series of choices um, and you know while while things remain big picture it is the accumulation um, of one decision after another that kind of builds who you are and, and, and how people perceive you and at the end of the day, how successful you want to make yourself. Um, and then, you know, from Coach Beltrami, she was a little bit more in tune with, um, you know, the players being being day to day, you know, checking on their mental health, um, how well is the team gelling together, um, and, and just really working on being kind to one another. Uh, you know, we check in with our players to make sure that they're all being taken care of, um, you know, we want to make sure that we, we give them as much support as possible as a coaching staff. You know, at the end of the day, we want their college experience uh, to be a full one, uh, something that is practical for them, something that is fulfilling for them, um, and that they can leave here, uh, you know, a, a better person than, uh, than what, when they first got here. And I'd, I'd like to think that you're on your way to that. And you've learned some lessons from your first year as well. You're, you're moving into your second year coaching. It's not just all that you've learned from your past coaches. Now you've done it once or twice. You've gone through a full season. Was there anything that really maybe caught you off guard or things that you hadn't picked up from former coaches that you had to learn the hard way through your first year of coaching? Obviously, the learning curve from year one to year two is, uh, is absolutely – I can't speak enough on it. Uh, you know – just the way that we started last year with, you know, me not really going into the year knowing that I was going to be the one running, running the show, more or less. Uh, you know, I had a couple of weeks to prepare and, you know, it, it does get overwhelming. Um, a little bit of know, trial by fire almost. Yeah, especially, you know, especially, you know, considering that, you know, as an NCAA Div 2 coach, uh, you know, we don't have some of the resources that these other big programs have. So, you know, there's the, the administrative side. Um, to that, which is, you know, an area that I really, really needed to improve on. And, you know, this year uh, with my assistant coaches, with Mariah coming back, she's been a great help. You know, the addition of uh, Christina uh, transferring or, excuse me, transitioning from a player to a to a GA, you know, those two have really uh, helped my cause uh, about being organized. Um, and, you know, when, when it looks organized from your coaches, you know, the players really kind of follow suit there. So that's something that has drastically changed for us this year uh, from players to coaches to administrative or administration, excuse me, we're feeling very prepared. And you hear a lot about building culture. You hear it in, in the pros, you hear it in colleges, you hear about building the culture and, and to a lot of people, it means a different thing. So what does building a culture mean to you and what is the culture that you're trying to build? I actually just had a conversation with uh, the men's basketball coach, uh, Omar Sanchez, just this morning about it. You know, we we're talking about all the surroundings of the Oakland Raiders with Antonio Brown and how he's kind of been handling his situation. Um, you know, and, and honestly, we're, we're realizing very quickly that uh, culture, culture beats out talent every time, um, you know, 
take it take it from the Raiders last night who came out with a big W on, on Monday night. They look really clean and motivated, uh, kind of stress-free there. And so, um, you know, if you're getting everybody to buy into what you believe in um, at, and, and be genuine about that, uh, then, you know, your communication from day to day, um, you know, we know you, you just know how to handle people. Um, and I think um, as far as players go between themselves and coaches go uh, from coach to player, uh, the respect level and the communication level and the understanding uh, is, is, you know, benefiting from that culture. And now you have a phrase that you use last year uh, you had on the back of your shirts, do the, the right thing, not the easy thing. And now this year you've transitioned it. Uh, I believe it's hustle like the underdogs. Now take me through uh, your thought process on how or why that fits your team and how the team will embrace that, that mantra this year. After the PacWest preseason poll came out and we took a look at it and you know the other 11 coaches – uh, found it that we were going to finish last uh, in the conference again. Uh, you know, we improved last year from the year prior, got a couple of wins under our belt, um, you know, still didn't do as well as we wanted to. And so, you know, just going into the year, we had to understand that we have a lot of work ahead of us. Just because we improved doesn't mean we, we should be satisfied by any means. Um, you know, and, and that line really is to have, you know, our program as a whole understand that we really have to, you know, do the extra things and not just, uh, we, we can't be average. You know, if we come in here and, and we stick to just our 20 care hours, hours a week, you know, if coaches just do the bare minimum, uh, then we're just going to remain where we've been, you know, for the last uh, better part of a decade now. So, you know, coaches taking a little bit more time to break down film or communicate with players, players getting into the gym on their own time, lifting on their own time, making sure that they're prioritizing their lives in an appropriate manner that's going to benefit the team during our season uh, really is is what that mantra is all about. We have to understand that, you know, uh, hungry dogs got to run faster if they want to eat. So that's kind of where we are right now. Um, our girls are starting to realize that. Um, which is a good thing. So hopefully we can continue to build on that. And it looks like the team has so far at least bought in through one game. You guys started off against UC Merced this past Saturday and you come out with a four-set win. What did you see from the team that, that really stuck out to you about that win? Absolutely. The word hustle uh, is at the forefront of that. Um, you know, that's something that's extremely hard to teach. Um, you know, you always tell, you always hear these coaches saying, you can't teach hustle, you can't teach hard, all those things. And you can, you can control and, and manage those things from time to time. But, um, you know, again, as your players start to understand that one point, uh, or every point for that matter, it counts. Um, then you start to, you know, be a little bit more successful, you know, especially in the game of volleyball. Uh, you know, you play up to 25 points, the difference between winning 25, 23 or losing 25, 23 is a matter of, you know, two points. It's one person going for a ball. Maybe they think that they wouldn't have gotten, they get a great touch on it, uh, or a hitter committing on a swing where they didn't think they were going to get their feet to the ball. But, you know, we try anyway and we surprise ourselves and we're in a good position where we can, we can drive that ball and score. So I think that was the major difference, you know, defensively, offensively, we were just hustling out there. And you guys faced a little adversity because you actually dropped set one and then came back and win the final three sets of that match to pull it out. So how do you think the team responded after they dropped that opening set? Well, you know, we understood, um, that, that we were the ones scoring the points, whether that was for ourselves or for more, for Merced, excuse me. Um, you know, we just, uh, found ourselves in, in positions that we were making a lot of unforced errors. 
Um, but, you know, we had confidence in ourselves that, that we could turn it around um, and make the plays that we've been seeing our girls make every day through practice. So, um, you know, we didn't panic uh, at all. Um, we didn't oversaturate it. We didn't press uh, more than we needed to, uh, you know, going into set two, we kind of just calmed it down a little bit, you know, spoke to our players and, and, and told them that, you know, all, all of the work that you guys have put in practice, you got you have to show the people that you're representing now, which is, you know, uh, the great crowd that came in and supported us on Saturday night. It was a packed house from what everybody heard. It was a rockin' in Tobin Gymnasium. Coach, thank you for coming by this week. Best of luck to you this season. Hawk Nation, stick around here on the Hotcast as we meet with HNU volleyball player Brittany Caracillo coming up next. Hotcast Hawk Nation right now. We are meeting with HNU women's volleyball junior Brittany Caracillo. Brittany, thanks for joining Drew and myself. How's it going today? Good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Glad to have you here. So we want to start from the very beginning with you, Brittany. We want to know about how you got to HNU, and we're going to start by asking how you first got into volleyball and when you first started playing. Um, I started playing in fifth grade because my older sister played, which is she's three years older, so I was not even related to her at all. Um, then I got to high school and really liked it and realized I could possibly play in college, so I started playing club my freshman year and the rest is history. Now, we, we heard uh, off air here that your sister was not the greatest volleyball player, so it sounds like you got all the athletic genes in the family. Uh, yes. Um, I, a younger sister actually played club, too, so my little sister just after that could not do it. She went into hair and makeup, so really different route for her. <laughs> so now you said you, you really started to love it as you get into high school, and that's when you ended up joining a club team. Talk to me a little bit about uh, what it's like to play on a club volleyball team for those that you know have never experienced that before. Um, so club is year-round, so as soon as your high school season ends, you start with your club team from November till May, and if you qualify, you go till July. So it basically takes up a lot of your time, and uh, you give three to four days out of your week practicing, preparing with this team to try and make it to the jails and keep preparing and keep uh, getting better. It's a lot of fun. You make family members throughout your teammates and friends for life. So. Yeah. And I got to imagine it's a lot for someone who you know really just starts to get into volleyball. Was there ever any time where you really kind of doubted it, or just each day you go to practice, you just you love it that much more? Yeah, like I love going to club practice. It's so much different than high school practice because it's actually structured and. Um, everything was just fun and everybody wanted to be there. And like high school, you kind of were forced into it kind of. And then now the crazy thing is as you're playing club, you're playing club, you end up meeting your current head coach, Mike Gomez. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how that kind of came about. Um, so Pulse is normally an all girls coaching teams and stuff. And then Mikey shows up to tryouts one day. I was like, who's that? And then we had no idea. Like I was trying out for seven teams that year that, he was going to be our head coach and, like, no idea who this was. And then the director of club at the time was the director of our head coach here at the time. And she was like, yeah, so this guy who is from H&U with me, he's going to be possibly the coach for 17s. Like, I think you'd work good with him and stuff like that. I was like, cool. Like, I don't know who he is. You know, I think he relates to something to the tryouts. I don't remember. And then Adrian, um, 
or Mikey actually told me to talk to Adrian about coming here and possibly playing, so it was a lot of fun, and I was excited to come to H&M because it was close to home and stuff, and I really liked Mikey at the time, so. Mike Gomez late. I I would never have guessed it. Never have guessed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell me a little bit about playing with Mike, because as, as you just mentioned, you know it, it was previously an all all female coaching staff, and now you have a, a man stepping in and, and running the team. How did how did the team and as well as you respond to that? Um, I thought our team responded very well. So the year before we were basically the same team coming in, and then Mikey stepped in with a few few players, and we were really good. Like we played the best we could, and. Um, it was just weird, like, all of a sudden, it's like all these girl coaches, and then Mikey, and we're like, we had no idea where he came from and stuff, and it was just interesting to see, like, I, I personally like having guy coaches, so it was a nice change. And now you mentioned Mike was uh, the big influence to have you go talk to the head coach at the time, which was Adrian Beltrami. Now, that, that couldn't have been the, the easiest conversation for you. Were, were you nervous at all when you went to talk to her? How did that go? Yeah, of course. Um, so she was just like, yeah, I love how you play and stuff. Like, um, I wanted you to talk to me for a while, but you need to approach me. I was like, yeah, I didn't really want to go up to you. You're always, like, busy and stuff. And she was always, like, different practice time. So I always want to talk to her in person, not over the phone. And uh, the next day, she was like, come to 18's practice and stuff. And we played played with their 18 team. That was necessary my tryout for HNU. And so after that tryout, now you're, you're making your way to HNU. You're coming in as a freshman. What did it feel like that, you know, you just really kind of pick up volleyball in fifth grade. You really start to get serious in high school. And now you're into college. How did that kind of feel being there to play volleyball? Um, so it was really cool. So it was first of my family to actually play college with college sport and actually go to college and go to a four-year at the bat. So um, it felt good just to be a part of a team and something that um, can help me in my career also later on. So I really just liked being a part of the team and wanted to help each other out and not knowing anybody, having a fresh start coming in was really nice. So I really liked that part too. And now you're in your junior year here. Of course, you, you were here for uh, the last year of Coach Beltrami. You've been here for now uh, Mike's first year and now going into his second year. Um, we talk a lot about culture change within programs. How have you seen the program change from your first year here to now your third year here? Um, first year, the team was segregated all right off the bat. Like We were like, oh, there's these people and there's the freshmen. So we were like the big dynamic freshmen. There was, I think, six of us. So a few of us have dropped off and came back and stuff. So now there's four solid core group from my freshman year. So it's nice to see how the four of us have progressed in such close friendships um, throughout the years and just see how we play. And then for me also changing my complete position from my freshman year towards now, it's been nice. It's good, been a good change. So I'm glad I, glad I did it. And now... Do you have any sort of rituals either for yourself or for the team that you guys like to get into before a game? Um, you know, sports are all about rituals, and, and I heard there may be a, a little bit of a cheer that you guys have been developing. So this this past week, uh, we had scrimmage and stuff. We're like, we need to make a cheer that, that nobody else has. So Adam Stanley decided to do this beast cheer where we start off lo- low and then get loud and try and pump each other up. And I thought it really helped this time, so we're going to keep going with it this season and see how we do. But very loud and now you guys pulled it out before the uh before the game this past saturday when you guys ended up getting a four set win over uc merced was it was it a fresh debut did it was it a little rocky debut there for sure a little rocky debut we need definitely to work on it so hopefully this weekend we'll master it 
But now, going into the game itself, you guys ended up dropping the first set, and then you come back and win the next three to pull out the fourth set win. What was your guys' mindset during that first set as you guys kind of dropped down a little bit, and how did you guys end up overcoming? So, the first set, we were neck and neck with them. We were like, we have this, we have this, and then they had a few aces on us, which helped, didn't really help us. And then we kind of realized, like, we were behind and we couldn't do much, so... We were just like, the next set is ours, so just finish out as strong as we could, and we never turned back. Like, we did not want to be behind that score ever again, so. Well, you were not, as you guys ended up winning the next three sets for the four-set comeback win, and we wish you all the best of luck in the future. Brittany, thanks for coming by. Hawk Nation, stick around here on the Hotcast as we bring to you all the next week's games coming up after this. Nation, that's it for episode one, year two of the HNU Hotcast. But before we go, Drew and I are going to tell you about some of the upcoming events this week as we've got a jam-packed week for HNU athletic events. And it starts with men's soccer on Thursday at 5 p.m. as they take on SF State in the men's soccer home opener out at Cal State East Bay. Once again, in that match at 5 p.m. from Pioneer Stadium. And then they will have a second match this weekend on Saturday at 11 a.m. They'll take on William Jessup again from Pioneer Stadium. So we'll see you out there for those two men's soccer matches. As far as women's soccer goes, they only have one game this week. It's playing on Saturday against the Wildcats at Chico State at 7 p.m. Women's volleyball play on Friday and Saturday at Stanislaus State in the D2 West Regional Volleyball Showcase. They have two matches each day. On Friday, they're playing Sonoma State and Western Oregon. And on Saturday, they're playing Northwest Nazarene and Stanislaus State. Cross Country will also be in action as both teams will be at the Kim Deist Cross Country Invitational at River Oaks Golf Club. And make sure you guys come prepared for all of the lights as they will be racing in a night race out there at the Kim Dice Invitational. And finally, we finish it up next Monday and Tuesday with men's and women's golf as they will both be in action. Men's golf will be in Sonoma for the Sonoma State Fall Invitational, whereas women's golf will make the trek up north as they go to Canada, A, for the True North Classic, hosted by Simon Fraser in Richmond, British Columbia. So 